Amen. That was great. Thank you so much. That was some great singing tonight. I appreciate that. It's good to see you tonight. I hope you had a great day. I got to see some of you out in action today a little bit. I got involved in an activity this afternoon that I'd never been involved with in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm just not really sure what I think about it. I, I was walking out of the dining hall, and there was a group of girls having a cabin challenge. Where are y'all at? This group right here? Where's the other cabin? Oh, there they are. There they are. And they were in this big circle, and they said, hey, do you want to play ninja? And, of course, the first thought I had was, no. Do I look like I want to play ninja? And, and then I realized it was that game where everybody looks like statues and moves every once in a while. And I said, oh, well, I want to be the nice camp speaker, so sure. Yeah, we'll play ninja. That sounds like fun. Sure. Right up there was stick dirt. It was... <laughs> I... So I jumped in a circle of about 25 people, and uh, we did the whole, and I didn't know the rules. And these girls didn't do any, any, like, any help of trying to explain this game to me. They just, you know, talked about you could only move once, and I didn't know you only had to hit in the hand. I thought it was like fair game, like, whoa, bow, right in the forehead. But I... But I didn't do that. I just got a, I, who's the girl I hit on the arm? There she is. She called the police on me. No, I'm just kidding. But I, uh, she, she was, she, I didn't know you had to hit the hand, so I whacked her right in, in the arm. And she was like, ow, that's abuse. And so anyways, <clears throat> I quit playing about five minutes in because the truth of the matter is, I think less of the game now than I did before we started. I got to say, that's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever done in my whole life. How, is anybody else with me there? Is anybody else with me there? How many, how many of y'all actually like that game? Can I see your hands? You actually like that game? Okay, we have, we have special classifications for people like you. Um, there, are, there are special classes in school, special tracks you can be on, you know, in high school if you like that kind of stuff. So anyways, that was... You know, fun, maybe, uh, not really, but, but it was all right, you know, whatever. And so uh, maybe tomorrow I'll get involved in another cabin challenge, and maybe it'll be slightly funner than that one was. Uh, but that, boy, let me ask you a question. I don't know how many, most of y'all are from up in this area, but I got to tell you, the weather here is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, this is unreal. Uh, I went out for a run this afternoon. It was the middle of the afternoon, and it was like, I mean, it felt like it was like, winter out there compared to where I've been. I mean, I woke up this morning, I was outside, it felt even a little cool out there. It's just been great. So keep up the good spirit, good attitude, stay involved. And, uh, and I hope that, uh, please, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to get to know you a little bit. And, uh, and if I can do anything for you, please let us know. And, uh, and it's just really been great to get to know you. It's been a lot of fun so far. We, we just trust that the Lord will do a great work in our hearts, and that's what we need. I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight, and I'd like you to turn to Micah chapter number 7. i got to be honest with you tonight. I have been struggling about what to preach all day and really just uh, struggled even up to the service. And uh, the Lord really impressed this upon me. And, and I want to be real transparent with you. Every group of teenagers is somewhat unique, uh, depending on their location and some of those things. But, 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 in, but in many ways, there are a lot of similarities across the board. 
Now, young person, I want you to look at me. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This world has labeled you in certain ways, and unfortunately, you have embraced it. If I were to go ask the average adult, what, 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 are, what, are, the, what are your teenagers, what are teenagers like? In fact, I saw a guy, a good friend of mine who speaks in youth conferences a lot, just like I do, and, and he said, he made a statement about preaching to teenagers, and he used words like, like confused, um, hurt, disappointed, lost, troubled, and, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's you individually necessarily, but I will say this, as a whole, as a whole, this young generation, that's a fairly good description. Now, I don't, I don't say that to demean you. I say that because I want to help you tonight. I want to I wanna get to an issue tonight that I believe is one of the reasons that young people lose their good spirit for the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to get to an issue tonight that I believe leads to hardness of heart in young people's lives. I, I believe with all my heart that there are young people here at camp this week, and you came to camp this week with zero, zero intention of making any spiritual decisions or making any spiritual, changing any spiritual direction in your life. In fact, I, I've been around teenagers. I mean, I've literally talked to them that when they come to camp, they like, they, I, I've been around youth groups that actually make agreements with each other that we're not going to do the whole surrender thing this year. And I, I've been through a lot of that. And, and, and I'm not saying that's necessarily true in your group, but, but I, I guarantee you that there's some young people that when it comes time to get into like this part of camp, this, this service part of camp, we're what we're doing right now. Some of you kind of shut it down just a little bit. Just shut it off a little bit. And, and I'm going to get to an issue that I believe gets to the, at the heart of why that happens sometimes. And so I'm going to read a, a verse of scripture. I'm going to explain the context and do my best to preach it by God's grace tonight. Uh, I believe it'll be a help to you if you'll listen. And so let's look at this verse. Let's stand if you would. And we're going to read Micah <clears throat> chapter number 7. How many of y'all found Micah? Can I see your hands? You already there? Micah, good. Chapter 7, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 8, please. Micah chapter 7, and look please, if you will, at verse number 8. Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. This is God's word. Let's pray together about it. I'd ask you to pray for me tonight. Uh, I think you can tell my voice is really giving me trouble. Y'all pray for me. Will y'all pray? Who pray for me tonight? Will y'all pray for me while I pray? Will you pray that God will give me just what you need tonight? Will you pray that you receive what God wants to give you tonight? Is that fair? I'm only, look, hey, y'all listen to me. I'm going to give you something tonight. Look at me. That on my knees before God today, he led me to give to you. I'm asking you, if you would humbly, maybe not on your knees, but humbly, say, God, you know what? This preacher from the South, he doesn't even know who we are. We don't even know who he is. But he's got the Bible. And the Bible can help. And, and if you don't, li look, if you don't listen, young person, with a heart to listen and obey, this is not going to be a positive exercise. If you don't listen with an open heart to the word of God while I'm preaching, we're wasting our time at camp. Do you understand that? 
And I believe this message can unpack a little bit of that if you'll let it, okay? So I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. When I fall, I shall arise. When I fall, I shall arise. Let us pray together. Lord, we ask for your help tonight as I preach the word of God. Lord, I need you, desperately need you. Uh, Lord, I don't uh, have the energy, the, the voice. Lord, there, there could be absolutely nothing in my flesh tonight that could even accomplish anything. And so, Lord, I humbly ask you that you will open up your word and give light, give understanding. Lord, I pray you'll really help some teenagers tonight, some young people who are beaten up by Satan, some young people who have been kicked while they are down by the devil who has tried to get them to believe that there is no chance that they are ever going to do anything with their life that's going to make a difference. And Lord, I pray tonight that you will use your word, that you'll use me, and you'll help me. And Lord, be with all the needs that are here is my prayer. I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you very much. You can be seated. You know, as I preach all across America, it's great to meet a lot of teenagers. And I think uh, I preach uh, anywhere from two to 3,000 young people a year, and I, I like it. I enjoy it. I love to meet you. I love to hear your stories. I like to get around the country. I preached in 47 states. I'll be in my 48th state next week in Idaho. And I just love to go. It seems like everywhere I go, you meet some unique people. And, and there's a lot of differences in this room. I mean, the truth of the matter is there's some age differences. Boy, there's a significant difference between a 12th grader and a 7th grader, really. And now, most of the time, there's a difference between a 12th grader and a 7th grader. And the truth of the matter is, they're different for a lot of different reasons. Different because of different experiences. I mean, there are people in this room right now, you have a mom and a dad that basically are solid. They love you. They take you to church. And, and really, you have what we would call a normal, at least used to be normal family. There are others of you in this room, you would not even be able to define a normal family. There, there are young people in this room, you have lived in multiple locations all throughout your years of growing up. You, some of you don't even know who your, maybe even your parents are. I was, I was working with a teenager from Indiana not too long ago, and, and this young lady was pregnant. She was a senior in high school. And when she was in, in, in a 10-year-old girl in the fifth grade, listen to me, when she was 10 years old and in the fifth grade, she was living on her own with her siblings, with no parental supervision, not even a grandma or grandpa. She was out on her own, growing up through upper elementary school, junior high and high school, with no parental guidance whatsoever. Now, folks, I want to tell you something right now. The experience of that kid is different than the experience of you if you've got mom and dad at home. And by the way, if you do, you ought to thank God for that. I mean, there, there's guy, obviously, there's guys and girls in this room. There's a significant amount of difference between guys and girls. God created us that way. God made us that way. It's different. There are different races and ethnic groups in this room, and, and each of us carry with us a different background with different uh, ethnicities and different likes and dislikes, different family organisms and different ways of doing things. In fact, there's people in this room that are different because the truth of the matter is your social economic class is widely different from maybe even somebody in your cabin. There might be somebody here that comes from a basically very poor home with very little opportunity. There are others of you that maybe come from a, a, a real a home of privilege where the truth of the matter is finances are never really a problem for you. There are people in this, this room right here, you come from good neighborhoods, you live in good homes. There are others of you, you come from very poor, run-down places. And because of that, every single person is different. 
Everybody in this room, you have different feelings. You have different fears. You have different likes. You have different dislikes. You have uh, different hopes and dreams and aspirations. You have a different plan for the future of your life. There are a lot of differences in the room tonight. But I want to share with you tonight one thing that all of us have in common. Every single person in this room has one thing in common to be sure, and that is this. Everybody in this room is going to fail. Everybody. There is not a young person in this room that has not failed miserably. There is not a preacher in this room that has not failed miserably. There is not a mom and dad in this room that has not failed miserably. And young person, I want to tell you, everybody in this room has failed themselves, they failed people they loved, and they have all, we have all failed God. Would you not agree with that? How many of you would understand what I just said tonight? Every single one of us have failed. Every one of us have fallen flat on our faces before. Is it not true? I mean, have you said something or done something or been somewhere or responded in a way that was completely dishonoring to God, completely unkind and unfair to somebody that you loved, and maybe you even in the past have made decisions before God that you knew that God wanted you to keep, but for some reason you just simply did not have the character and the discipline and the discipleship in place in your life to keep it. And I don't know about you, but when I go through those times of falling flat on my face and disappointing people that I love and disappointing the God that I love. I want to tell you sometimes, young person, it is just very challenging sometimes to get back up and to keep going forward when I keep failing over and over and over again. Now, I want to tell you something tonight. If you are a human being breathing air tonight, you have failed more times than you can even count. And the truth of the matter is, some of you came to camp this week failing terribly in your Christian life. There's some of you that came after this year, and you came to camp last year. And the truth of the matter is, this has not been a great year for you spiritually. You are not doing well spiritually. You are struggling spiritually. There are some of you that are in 12th grade. But when you were in 10th grade, you were a lot more in love with Jesus Christ than you are right now. There are some of you that some things have changed in your life over the last couple of months or even the last year. And it has drastically changed your spiritual life. There are young people in this room, you've entered into relationships that do not honor and please God. And guess what's happened? It started to take you down spiritually a little bit. Look, folks, I, I, we don't have to be weird or awkward about this. It's simply true. Every person in this room has failed. And here's what I want to preach to you about tonight. If you do not understand what happens when you fall and what to do after you fall, then you are not going to make it very far in your Christian life. And young person, I believe that's really the heart of the text in Micah chapter number 7. Now to be fair, I want to say that Micah chapter 7 is clearly a prophecy about Israel's restoration. And there's no doubt about that. Micah is preaching to a group of people that are going to go into captivity very, very soon. And when he preaches to them, the last chapter of, the, of, his, of his prophecy is a message of hope. These people are going to go into Babylonian captivity. You've read about their story like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you've ever read the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you will see some of these prophecies unfold before your very eyes. Look at me. When Israel fell into captivity, it was completely tragic. It was devastating. In fact, if you read the book of Lamentations, it gives you details of the horrific scene of Jerusalem when Israel fell to its enemies. But in Micah chapter number 7... 
after Micah has been telling them that they are going to fall, they are going to be destroyed, they are going to go into captivity, he gives them a prophecy of their restoration. So listen very carefully. When Micah gives this word to Israel in Micah chapter 7, it is a message of the promise of their return from captivity after 70 years of brokenness and failure and suffering and sorrow. Now, young person, I want to tell you something. Many of us in this room, we are not even going to live to be 70 years old. How many of you are encouraged tonight that when Israel had failed and been defeated by God, uh, by their enemies for 70 years, God still had a word a promise to them that after that was over he was going to bring them back again I don't know about you that encourages me how about you a young person here's what I'm preaching to you about tonight although that is the primary interpretation of Micah chapter number seven there is no question about it that there is an application that we can all draw from it right here and right now that no matter who you are listen to me tonight no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've failed, no matter how much sin you've committed, I want to tell you tonight that there is a chance for you to return to God tonight if you'll let him. And tonight I want to share with you very quickly from this text three lessons we need to learn when we fall. Number one, when we fall, our enemy rejoices. Did you see that in verse number seven? Look in verse 7, if you will. The Bible says, or excuse me, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And I believe that, 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 uh, that Micah here is speaking about Israel's literal enemies. The people that would come by way of the armies and destroy them and ruin them and, 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 and destroy their children and burn their homes. And here's what he's saying. Hey, you guys are going to get us and it's going to be the laughing stock of the world when Israel falls into captivity. He says, but, but, but here's a lesson that I want you to learn. Don't rejoice in that for just this temporary time because although we fall, we're going to come back. But there's a lesson that is here, young person, and that's this. When God's people fall, listen to me, an enemy rejoices. Now, I wish y'all get a hold of this tonight. Listen to me. When you as a Christian young person fall into sin it is an opportunity for Satan to greatly rejoice because of your fall a young person I want you to understand this if you ever hear news about Christianity on the news today in America it is always when some person within Christianity has made a laughing stock of Christianity itself I mean, when do you ever hear of a Christian on the news who's done something good or positive? The truth of the matter is, it's very rare. But you want to know what happens when a Christian fails morally, when a Christian fails publicly, when a Christian does something that he should not have done, when he goes against something that he has been preaching and teaching for years and years, and then all of a sudden he goes back on that, guess what? Oh, my soul, the media and the world is like a vulture. I mean, they go all over that. They pick it apart. And you know, want to know what? When a Christian falls into sin, young person, it is an opportunity for Satan to exploit that and to ruin the reputation of Jesus Christ in the world. Now look here, young person. There's enough bad news about Christianity going on right now. And I want to tell you right now, young person, in your public school, for instance, it does not help the cause of Christ when your lifestyle resembles very closely the lifestyle of those people who do not even know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
Young person, I want you to understand something. That when a young person who claims the name of Christ, for instance, gets involved in sexual immorality while it's forbidden by God, and maybe a young person gets pregnant out of wedlock, or that testimony of them is known in the community and known in their school or known amongst their friends, and yet at the same time, they go to church on Sunday with their parents because their parents make them. Listen, folks, there's no way that that does anything positive for the name of Jesus Christ at the calls of the gospel. And what I'm telling you, young person, is when Satan sees a Christian fall on their face, there is a lot for him to rejoice over. There is a big win, if you will, with him. Can I ask you tonight, aren't you tired of Christianity having a bad name? Aren't you tired of Christianity having a bad rap? Aren't you tired of every time the name of Christianity seems to be given or, or, or talked about? It's always some kind of exploitation of some weirdness or some wrongness that has been done. I am suggesting to you tonight that there ought to be an army of Christian teenagers that rise up from a camp like this and say, you want to know what? We are going to follow Jesus Christ. We are going to be loyal to the cause of Christ. And we do no longer want the name of God to be an irreputation with the world. In fact, it happened in David's life. Did you know that? I mean, David, when he sinned publicly, the whole nation knew it. In fact, God said these words. Listen to them. It said, you have given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. In other words, because of what you have done, the world can look at you and go, ha ha, that's what Christians are really like. You know, it was Gandhi, the famous uh, 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 spiritual leader, as it were, that said, I love the teachings of Christianity, but I do not love Christians. The Christians are so not like their Christ. Now you just think about that for a second. Let me ask you a question right now. In fact, the other day my daughter and my daughter, I wish that my family was here. They're, they're a lot of fun, man. I've got, a, I've got an eight-year-old daughter. She's about to turn nine. And she is a total, um, she is just wild. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, she's like a, a live wire. I don't know really how to describe it. She's just ultra energetic. She talks nonstop. She gets in trouble, frankly, all the time. And, 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 man, just sometimes we never know. I mean, half the time I feel like a failure going, Lord, what in the world's going on with this kid? I mean, is she? And, and the thing is, she's adopted, and so I can always use that. Well, Lord, she didn't come for me. I'm telling you that right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But she, I mean, she is crazy. And, and, but she's a lot of fun and has a great personality, and she, she always, wherever she is, she makes a friend. But she gets in trouble really easily. The other night, we went to a Kansas City Royals baseball game, and we had a babysitter come over uh, to my in-law's home, and I took my, uh, took my wife and a few friends to his Royals baseball game, and, and uh, when I got back, I asked the babysitter how, 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 how uh, Adriana did. And, I mean, the babysitter just like, she looked at us like she had been on drugs for the last two hours. I mean, she was like, she was like tweaking out. Her eyes were like this big. She looked like she needed help. She probably, she probably needed to have psycho, a psychotic therapy after that experience. But she said, she said when, I, when you guys first left, your daughter totally lost control. Because we looked, and it was our fault. We looked at the babysitter and said, our kids, they can only drink water. But we forgot we had got them a Happy Meal from McDonald's. 
And in the Happy Meal, it came with a drink. So that's all the babysitter knew. So it came with a little apple juice box, you know what I'm talking about? And so when, when, when the Happy Meal came, uh, the, the babysitter looked at my daughter and said, you can't drink the apple juice. Your parents said you can only drink water. And my daughter lost her mind. I mean, folks, listen, I'm talking about lost control of herself. Have you ever seen how a little kid gets pretty piped up about things that at the end of the day really don't matter that much? I mean, look, if you take that and you multiply that by a million, that's my daughter. I mean, she like lost control of herself. She was screaming and running around the house and going crazy. And I'm sitting there listening to this babysitter. I'm, all I'm thinking is, I should pay you like three times what I paid you. This is the interesting thing. I didn't really get on my daughter. This is what I did. Think about this. Now, my daughter got saved last year, and she's growing in the Lord. But I sat down with her, and I said, Adrian, let me ask you a question. What do you think that babysitter thinks about you right now? I said, Adrian, let me ask you a question. Do you think that babysitter would want to come back and babysit you again? And boy, she looked at me like, I said, let me ask you a question, Adrian. Are you a Christian? She said, yes, Dad. I said, Adrian, do you think you gave a good testimony to the babysitter about your relationship with Christ? And she just shook her head again. You know what? I didn't have to get on her. I, I didn't have to spank her. I didn't have to berate her. I simply appealed to something that should be very sensitive to all of us. And you know what it is? That if we are Christians and we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, look at me, it ought to bother us when we are doing something that would give an opportunity for the enemy to rejoice over something that we did in our lives. Hey, listen, Satan's winning enough victories. He doesn't need to win any more in our lives. Number two. That's where I want to focus my time. Number one, when we fall, the enemy rejoices in our fall. Number two, when we fall, we need to rise again. Look at the text here. When I fall, I shall arise. And folks, if you're going to survive, if you are going to make it, young person, this message is not about the badness of our fall. This message is about what do we do when we fall? And it's very simple. Two things. Number one, when you fall, you need to look to Jesus. Back up to verse number seven. Therefore, will I look Unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now, if you back up and read verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 6, and I'd like to highlight some of it for you, I want you to see that what Micah does in verses 1 through 6 is he tooks, takes a look at the nation and the families around him, and he shows them how, 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 how wicked and how, how ungodly the society becomes. Look at verse, and, and basically in verse number 2 he says this, look at this. The good man is perished out of the earth. And there is none uh, uh, upright among the men. They all lie in wait for blood. The hunt, uh, they hunt every man his brother with a net. Look at verse 3. That they may do evil with both hands earnestly. Look at verse 4. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. Look at verse 5. Now look at verse 5. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Look at verse, now look at verse 6. For the son dishonoreth a father, and the daughter riseth up against her mother, 
and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now notice this last phrase here. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Now, young person, here's the point that I'm trying to make. The reason that some of you are struggling in your Christian life, the reason why some of you do not want to serve God, the reason why some of you do not want to follow God, the reason why some of you are content tonight to live in your sin and to go your own way is simply this. You're looking at the wrong people. There are young people in this room right now. You are using excuses in your life as to why you're not following God. You know what some of you are doing? Well, look, my dad, look what my dad did. My dad was such a hypocrite. My dad was this, you know, Mr. Spiritual Christian, and then all of a sudden he left our family. I mean, what's up with that? And you know what you do? You use your dad as an excuse why you don't serve God. There are some of you in this room, you'll look at the other people in your youth group. You'll say, yeah, I remember, I remember when Johnny got all serious about God at, you know, at camp. And then he went to Bible college, you know, because he was real spiritual. But then what happened? A year later, he dropped out of Bible college. And now he's, now he's nowhere to be found. We have no idea where he's at. And guess what some of you have done? You've looked at the bad example of somebody else in your youth group. And you said, well, if they can't make it, I can't make it. There are some of you, you've looked to, you've looked to a pastor. I've met young people. I have been in some of the most horrific churches and youth groups I've ever preached at. You want to know what? I got there and preached months after their youth pastor fell into sin, their pastor fell into sin, and I watched young people sit back with their arms folded like, I'm not listening to you, preacher. You're just another one of those preachers that's going to fall and fail, and why should I trust you? And there's some of you young people in here like that. You, don't listen. you want to know why some of you don't listen to preachers? Because you know one that messed up. And you know what the problem with you is? You're looking at the wrong person. Young person, I want to tell you tonight that after Micah tried to look at family members, he tried to look at friends, he tried to look at neighbors, he tried to look at politicians, and he could not find one person to look to, to get some encouragement from. That's why verse 7 says, then will I look to the Lord. And young person, here's what I want to tell you tonight, and I want you to embrace this with all your heart. My friend, you may have had a parent that failed you, you may have had a brother or sister that failed you, you may have had a preacher that failed you, a teacher that failed you but hear me very carefully nobody has ever said God failed me you want to know why because he never fails and that's why the Bible says looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith young person have you started the Christian life many of you said you have let me ask you this do you want to finish the Christian life I hope you do if you're gonna start and finish the Christian life you've got to look to Jesus you've got to get your eyes on him there's some of you you need to get a fresh glimpse of God you need to get somewhere tonight in a, in a private place between you and God and say God I am so sorry that I have not looked to you you are my strength you are my refuge you are my forgiveness you are my help you are my encouragement you are my joy you are my peace you are my hope Lord I don't need to look to anybody else so the fact of the matter is if Everybody else I knew turned their back on you. I don't have to turn my back on you because you're always good to me. So look to Jesus. Stop looking at people. Number two, get up. You need to look up, but you need to get up, young person. When I fall, look at me. I shall arise. Do you realize the Bible says a just man 
falleth seven times and then riseth again? Young person, do you realize that the Bible tells us that men are going to fall, men are going to fail, we are going to stumble, we are going to struggle, we are going to faint in the race. But young person, it is not the person that falls down that really matters. It's the person who never gets back up when he's falling down. You say, man, I tried to read my Bible every year at camp, but I never do it. Well, let me tell you something. Get up and try to do it again. There's a young person in this room. You, 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 you've been a perpetual cheater. You've struggled with drugs and alcohol. And you say, man, I just can't quit it. I just can't do it. Well, that's fine. You may have come to camp and fallen on your face a hundred times. But let me tell you what to do. If you've fallen, get back up again. You may be here today and say, man, I struggle with sexual sins. I struggle with relationships. I just can't quit the temptation. Some of you, people, some of you guys are struggling with pornography and all kinds of sins. I mean, every day it just smacks you around and the devil's got his foot on your throat and he kicks you in the stomach every day and says, you're a loser. You're a spiritual failure. There is no way God's ever going to use you. Let me tell you what to do. Remove his foot from your throat and stand up again and get back up. Young person, you're going to fail, and you're going to fail a lot. It is not that you have fallen. It's if you stay down, that's when your Christian life is over. Do not stay down if you're down tonight. Rise up. Get the forgiveness of God. And move on with your Christian life. And you can do this by the grace of God. The third thing I want to point out to you, and I'll close with an illustration, is simply this. Number one, you need to remember... When you fall, the enemy rejoices. Number two, when you fall, you need to rise again. Number three, and I'm done. When you arise, you need to embrace God's plan and future for your life. Now, I'm not going to get into it for sake of time and reading tonight, but I want to simply say this. If you go from verses 9 to the end of the chapter, Micah lays out the future plan for Israel, including God's forgiveness, including God's mercy. In fact, let me read the last few verses. They're beautiful verses. Go down to verse uh, number uh, 18, if you will. Look at this. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Hear it. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon on us he will subdue our iniquities he will look at this he will cast their sins into the depths of the sea how many of you would agree with me that's a pretty good couple verses right there how many of you can find some encouragement in those verses right there young person listen to me god will forgive you tonight he will he'll have compassion on you tonight the problem with some of you young people is this you don't understand god's grace you don't understand his mercy. You do not understand his disposition towards you. There are young people in this room, and you're just like I was when I first got saved. You think that your relationship with God is based on your performance to him. Some of you in this room think, if I get up in the morning, and I have my devotions, and I keep smiling, God's going to like me. But if I don't, God's not going to like me. And listen to me, young person. That may sound elementary, but you look right here. If you feel that way about God, your Christian life is going to be a miserable experience. If you think that God does not love you and will not forgive you because you fail and because you fall, my friend, you don't understand God. You don't understand what he, listen, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody better help me with an amen tonight. I feel like I'm preaching about the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and the kindness of God and the opportunity that God will give you. Y'all are just staring at me like, well, that's kind of neat. It's more than neat. 
It's amazing. Some of y'all look at me and you're like, oh, preacher, you know, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, what pastor's home did you grow up in? None. What Christian school did you go to? Think you know everything? I didn't go to a Christian school. What camp did you grow? What camp did you go to in high school, man? I didn't ever go to camp in high school. Not one time. I never went to youth group one time in high school. Never. I didn't go to a Christian school. Truth of the matter is, I didn't even go to church. I got saved one week before my 19th birthday, a year after I graduated from high school. And I don't revel in it, and I don't air it out, and I don't talk about it a lot. But I'll tell you right now, I failed a lot. You're looking at somebody who struggled and agonized with whether God could even ever use me. I, I struggled and agonized whether I'd, ever, whether I'd ever actually have a Christian wife. I mean, I struggled. Man, I went to a public high school. I, 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 I went, I had friends, told, none of my friends knew God, I didn't know God, and I'll just tell you this, everything an unsaved kid does, that's exactly where my life was. Just a mess. I was in trouble at home, I was in trouble at school, I was in trouble with the police, I was in trouble with everybody, and, and I'm telling you right now, I failed over and over and over again, but I want to tell you, I'm so thankful to God that I had a praying mother and a pastor that cared about me. And I want to tell you that on May 25th, 1997, I went to church for the first time in like 10 years. And I remember coming to that church that day. And I remember feeling the guilt and the weight of who I was and what I had done. And the fact that I honestly felt like church might have lightning strike at the day that I showed up at church that day. And I remember walking into that, that Sunday school class. And I was so guilty and so burdened. I remember getting down on my hands and knees before God and that Sunday school class with that pastor and accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I got to tell you right now, you talk about a burden that was lifted. You talk about a joy that I felt for the first time that no, 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 nothing ever gave me like what the Lord Jesus Christ filled my heart with in an instant when I got saved. And I tell you, man, for the first few weeks of my Christian life, you want to know what I tried to do? I tried to straddle the fence. I tried to go to church, but I still tried to influence my friends, but they were really influencing me. I remember coming one, home one night after I was a Christian for about, I'd been a Christian for about two weeks. I came home that night, and I had been out with my friends, and unfortunately, I'd been doing some things I shouldn't have been doing. And I remember, Brother Aaron, I remember laying in my bed that night. I was so guilty. I felt like about two cents. I did not think God was ever going to do anything with my life. And I remember getting back up, going at it again the next week. I still remember this as long as I live. I remember the day the next week when my friends came to my house and they wanted to take me to a party that weekend. And I still remember this as long as I live. I remember sitting in my room with my friends around me and they're trying to get me to go to a party with them. And I remember for the first time when I took a stand and looked at them and said, guys, I don't know if you can understand this or not, but those days are gone for me. I'm not living that way anymore. I'm following Jesus Christ. And I wish you could have seen the way they laughed at me and mocked me when I made that decision. I wish you 
you could have been with me that summer when I lost every friend that I had had, so-called friend, that I had had for eight years in high school and how fast they walked out on me because I decided I wasn't going to party with them anymore. And I've got to tell you, folks, it was very, very difficult. I remember going to camp that summer for the first time as a 19-year-old. I was already out of high school for a year, but I went to camp. I remember that summer at camp that week in North Carolina. I remember that preacher preaching that night. I remember God had been working on me. He had been speaking to my heart about going to a Christian college, about even preaching. And I remember yielding my life to Jesus Christ that night for full-time Christian service. And I remember promising God that I'd be a preacher. And even though I didn't feel adequate, I didn't feel equipped, I still surrendered to it. I remember going to Bible college three weeks later in the month of August, in August of 1990. Seven. It was unbelievable. Dude, I just got saved like two months ago. I was in college like two or three months after I got saved. Dude, I had never been to a Christian college. I had never been to that Christian college. I did not even know there was a, such a thing as a Christian college. And man, when they showed me the rule book, I about choked. I thought, are you guys serious? You know what? I'm telling you. Everybody else around me seems so perfect. They all came to, from great homes. Half of them graduated from Christian schools. Half of them had made trips to that college all through high school. They had preached in sermon contests. I had never preached a sermon in my life. I had no clue. I, I, I remember in the dorms, I, I, I have tattoos up here on my arms. And I don't, again, I don't say that to brag. to say, because, you know, at the guy's dorm, going to the shower, I remember walking by, guys are looking at me like, whoa. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. Four years later, when I met my wife, I didn't realize this or not, but the, the rumor, you know how rumors start now, things start talking. I didn't realize this, but over the course of my four years there, all the stories about Brian Sands had like escalated to the point where I got saved out of a gang. <laughs> hey, dude. I am from Dunbar, West Virginia. There are no gangs there, okay? None, zero. And so when my wife, when we were starting to talk and get, and get in a relationship, her dad, uh, <laughs> she told her dad that. I didn't even know that. She said, yeah, dad, this guy is so cool. I mean, man, like he's really on fire for God. And he got saved a little later. I mean, I, he was in a gang. Now, let me ask you a question. My wife, who went to church all her life, went to a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade, never did anything wrong in her whole entire life except for catch an attitude with a volleyball ref like once. I mean, that's like all she's ever done. And here's me, like psycho gang boy, right, <laughs> trying to, trying to, I mean, I got to tell you, it was miserable for me going through those things. I remember right in the middle of college when I was having a, honestly, it was, it was a day where I was about this close, but Sam, I was about this close to dropping out of college. I was struggling, man. And, and let me tell you exactly what my struggle was over so you understand. Because some of y'all are living there. I honestly, Brother Jason, did not think God would ever use me. I, just, I couldn't believe it. I wanted to preach. And I remember sharing this with a friend. And I'll never forget this. My friend, he was six foot five and weighed about 320 pounds. So just try to somehow get a visual here. Okay, I am five foot seven with shoes on, and he is a lot bigger than me, okay? He, 
I start, I'm bad, you know, man, I just don't know, man, I don't know if I can preach, I, man, I just don't think I'm ever going to get a wife, I'm just, you know, where, where, I mean, what, who's going to want me to be their youth pastor, who's going to invite me to preach, who's going to want me to do that, and I'm not kidding, we're walking across campus, he stops, and he grabs me by my shirt, and he picks me up and sticks me against the wall. And he looked right in my face and said, Brian, God has forgiven you. He has taken away all those sins. They're under the blood. They're in the depths of the sea. When are you going to get past the sins that God's already passed? And I'm telling you right now, I can't explain how God used another college student in my life but man, when he set me back down on the ground, I was really thankful that he set me back down. When he set me back down on the ground, I just had a peace in my heart. And for the first time in my life, I realized, you know what? I think he's right. Oh, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be preaching to you. I don't deserve to be where I've been, done what I've done, experienced what I've experienced. But young person, that's just the beauty of it. It's not about me. It's about the grace of God. It's about the new start that God gives. Never let Satan keep you down if you've fallen down. And young person, I believe this. If some of you would stop believing his lie and you would start believing the truth, your Christian life's getting ready to be revolutionized. Revolutionized if you'll let it. Let's bow for prayer tonight if we could. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.